I'm wearing one of my favorite t-shirts. It's not that we didn't get the laundry done this weekend. Um, actually, it's one of Phil Moyer's favorite t-shirts too. Phil, why don't you stand up there? Isn't that a coincidence? We're wearing the same t-shirt. That's a great, that's a great, uh, let's see the twirl again, if you don't mind. Just, any, this, that is awesome. Deserves a round of applause there. So, uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite t-shirts because on the back it reads, uh, uh, no need to hurry, you're way west of worry, 10 Sleep Saloon, 10 Sleep Wyoming. Phil and I were in that saloon. I think we had Pepsi. Um, but uh, our families were, were uh, on vacation together, and we were at this, this town called Ten Sleep, Wyoming, and, and it was for sale, and Phil and I were talking about, boy, this is such a nice place. It'd be great to buy this restaurant and just settle down in Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Population in 2020, the population was 206. Wouldn't that be awesome? Some of you are panicking right now, but no, that would be awesome. It was Seemed like a worry-free kind of town as walked its six blocks east-west and five blocks north-south. That was the extent of Ten Sleep, Wyoming. They have a, a, one public school. It's pre-K to 12. And they have 102 students, 14 grades, 102 kids in that school. Yeah, no need to hurry. You're way west of worry. And we toyed with the idea of buying, buying that restaurant. That'd be fun. Um, there was also a cafe nearby. And uh, we had a few ideas of who we could possibly get to run that cafe. We won't mention who they would be. But um, <laughs> wouldn't you like to be way west of worry? To be human is to worry, someone once said. And we all struggle with that. We have all kinds of important things that we worry about. And then there's a whole bunch of unimportant things that we worry about as well. And worry can be very debilitating. Well, we worry about lots of things. We worry about uh, our kids. We think about adult children that are away from the Lord. We worry about them. We worry about uh, young kids going back to school uh, this year. That's coming around the corner. We've worried about COVID. And some are still worried about COVID. Um, we worry about our parents. Uh, maybe they're getting along in years. We worry about our jobs, whether it's going to be there in six months, whether we'll be replaced. We worry about our finances. That's a big one. That's huge. We worry about our health. The list goes on and on. We all struggle with worry. Now, to be honest, there's a big difference between being concerned about something and being worried about something. We're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew chapter 6, so you can turn or type there, Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, where Jesus said, uh, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. But we need to make sure that we're talking about uh, the difference between concern and worry. Concern is okay. Concern is part of mercy. Concern is part of ministering to others. You're concerned about people. So you pray for them. Uh, you bring them meals. Uh, you, you, you chat with them. You know, concern is something that is part of Christian growth. Worry, on the other hand, is not. Concern is healthy. Concern is part of Christian growth. That's okay. But when we cross certain lines in our concern, it becomes worry. 
which is very debilitating. And Jesus today is going to show us where we cross those lines. Where is the line between concern, which is okay, and worry, which is not okay? But it would be crazy for us to start talking about worry without, first of all, just going to prayer. And I'm going to ask you to lay aside or lay into the lap of Jesus the worries that you have right now. And then as they stay there on the throne with Jesus, we'll kind of step away and talk about Jesus and what he says about worry. And we'll leave those worries with him. And then later on, we'll pick them up again and we'll apply the message. So let's just go to prayer and let's just talk to the Lord about our worries. Would you bow your heads? Father, I'm going to do the same. And you know, in my heart, there are things that I uh, can be tied up in knots about. And that I can uh, worry and wor get worried sick about. And Lord, I'm laying those things before you right now. As we all are. The people that we worry about. The events that may or may not happen that we worry about. What we have, what we don't have. Lord, we lay them in your lap as you're on the throne of heaven. And we ask that you would hold them for us. And today, teach us how to pick up those situations and those people and, and be concerned but not worried. And to carry them as you would have us carry them. So Jesus, do that work in us as we look at your words today. In your name we pray. Amen. So how does Jesus begin his treatment of, of worry in the middle of this, this Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon given by the greatest person ever? How does he begin his treatment of this, of this uh, problem of worry? He begins by saying, uh, therefore. Therefore, comma, but we're going to stop right there. Because that's what therefore means. Therefore means stop right there and look at, at what came before. Because what I'm about to tell you is, is got relevance to what came before. So what came before? What has Jesus said already? He, said, he has said things like this. He said, uh, give us today our daily bread. That's how you should be praying. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. Give us today our daily bread. He said, uh, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's already said that. He's also said, don't treasure your earthly treasures because rust and, 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 and uh, will, will come in and, and they'll fail to be consumed. Your earth. Instead, store up treasures that accumulate in, in heaven. So these are some things he's already said. So therefore, because I've already told you this. Oh, one more thing. He did say, and we talked about this last week. He said, let me be your master. Don't let anything else be your master, especially money and material things. Let me be your master because every other master will disappoint you, be unfulfilling. Let me be your boss. Let me lead you through life. That's all the things that he has said. Well, not all the things, but some of those important things that he's already said. And if you get that, therefore, then there's no cause for worry. And he's about to expand on that. If you understand and can apply all that, pray that way, invest that way, follow me, you're way west of worry already. 
So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6 and the rest of that passage, not just the first word, but that first word is very important. We start out here with, therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We can all say amen to that, right? To be human is to worry. We all struggle. Jesus says here, we don't have to. We don't have to be plagued by worry. He says, don't worry about your life. And then he qualifies that by saying what you put into your body and what you put on your body, your basic necessities. Don't worry about those things. He's not saying don't worry about your life at all. He's talking about the basic necessities. And Jesus, who is the author of life, Peter calls him that in the book of Acts, he beautifully lays out when we cross the line from concern, which is okay, to worry, which is not okay. And he does it in such a way that he not only challenges us, he also comforts us at the same time. Only Jesus could do that. In this passage, let me give you four, four lines that we cross when we go from concern to worry. We cross the line from concern to worry, first of all, when we overemphasize the value of what we put in and what we put on. When we overemphasize the value of what we put in and put on ourselves, Jesus says, is not life more than that? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Life is more than where our 401k is. Life is more than all the work that we have to do on the house which we just purchased. And we start worrying about how we're going to afford that. Life is more than those things. How easy it is to, to make a mountain out of a molehill when we look at our budgets, if you have a budget. It's so easy to do. And it becomes one of those arguments where when you're done, it's like, where did this argument start? Do you remember how we started this argument? I don't remember how we started this. <laughs> because this little molehill becomes a mountain. And I want us to think not just about the food we put into us, but also the stress that we put into ourselves. And I want us to think not just about the clothes we put on, but the stress that we put onto ourselves when we inflate the importance of certain things or when we overemphasize events 
or people or the mishaps in our lives, when we overemphasize those things. See, the source of our life is not in those things. It's not found in the proper order of things around us or you know, the perfect order of things inside of us. That's, that's not where the source of life is. And Jesus' life is way more than that. And when we cross the line and we start overemphasizing those things, that's when worry comes in. Number two, when we underemphasize, when we underemphasize the value, the incredible value that God places on us. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. When's the last time you stopped and looked at the birds? We, we, live, we live in a world where there is some green, but there's a lot of concrete pavement but stop and look at nature. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Twelve times Jesus uses the word Father in this chapter alone. He's our Father, and He values us. He values you way more than the birds which He feeds. You're valuable to your heavenly Father, and when we under emphasize the value that God places in us, we start feeling like, yeah, he really doesn't care that much. And that's when worry creeps in. Because God doesn't care that much about me. It goes like this. Things aren't going well uh, around me, or things aren't going well inside me. God must not care very much if he's allowing this stuff to happen to me, or to my dad, or to my kids, or to our nation. And that kind of thinking First of all, is following a lie, but secondly, it produces anxiety. It produces worry. God must not care about this stuff or about me. Jesus reminds us that the birds, when they're pacing back and forth, they're not worrying. <laughs> they're looking for food, and he'll make sure they get it. Now, they may work, but they don't worry. The birds aren't sitting around some celestial bird feeder just waiting for God to pour things out for them. They still are working, but God's going to make sure that they get fed. God provides for them, and you're so much more valuable than that. First, first John says this. I love this, this passage. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, as Dave said earlier in our worship, the children of God. We are God's kids. And this is what we are, John says. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What an incredible hope, because we are children of God. And Paul says in Romans, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, not worthy of his love, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that there was a bridge back to God. God, children of God. That is your value as God looks at you. So when you are worried that God is not working or that God doesn't care, you got to realize that that's a lie. And that's an inroads for worry. You are more valuable than the birds that he takes care of. Number three, we cross the line from concern to worry 
when we act like worrying can affect the outcome of an event or the outcome of a situation. When we act like worrying actually has an effect on something. Now, none of us would, would, would agree to that intellectually, right? None of us would agree to that intellectually, but sometimes we act that way, that if we worry enough, we can affect the outcome of an event. Jesus says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? If we could do that, we could set aside time in our day and our schedule to worry just to keep extending our lives, right? Jesus is saying, it's ridiculous to think that worrying can affect the outcome of your life. I think there's not much more that needs to be said that, about that. Worrying can't affect the outcome, but what worrying does affect is, is us. It always affects us. Worry can't speed things up. It can't slow things down. It can't predict the future. It can't change the past. But sometimes we act like it has that power. Can't add a single hour to your life, Jesus says. Number four, we cross the line from concern to worry when we cannot rest in God's quiet work of adorning our lives. Let me explain. It's a beautiful passage that he shares here about the flowers of the field. Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? God just causes the flowers to grow. You don't see them struggling, laboring or spinning. And then they adorn the grass in the field. Now, again, because of where we live, we may not see this on a daily basis. And Jesus, they would see that as they walked from place to place. They could see the flowers adorning the fields. This morning, Janice got a, a, uh, a picture, I think it was an Instagram, from a friend of ours that, that was out in um, Glacier National Park. And there's a place called the, the Hidden, Hidden Valley, right? It's the Hidden Valley. And uh, we were there a long time ago, or a couple years ago. And, and when we got there, this, this, I wish I had a picture to show you, but uh, this valley um, had a mist going through it. And it must have had seven, eight, nine different kinds of flowers that were just splattered and all over the rocks and all different kinds of colors. And then there was a little lake that kind of appears out of nowhere, and there's some goats that were walking around. But it was... It was like a, a picture out of a, of, a, of a movie or a painting, but here it was in real life. The fields were adorned with flowers. Every year, I plant a garden, and, and every year I go out in the morning and I check it in the evening to see if anything's coming up. And usually, after about a week of doing that, I give up. I do it every year. I don't know why I keep doing it. Because the seeds aren't coming up for a while, right? It takes time to germinate. It takes time to do that. I just, I just give up. It takes too long. Growth is too slow for me. Sometimes we can treat God like that. We keep looking for evidence of his work. And when we don't see it, we get frustrated. And we take matters into our own hands. And that's when worry starts. Because we're not used to just waiting for God's quiet work to work in our lives. Flowers don't grow fast. They take time 
But when they're in full bloom, that's when we can adorn our gardens and our tables and we can make gifts and deliver to our friends. But it takes time. And sometimes it looks like nothing's going on. Jesus says, with faith we can rest in God's quiet work of adorning our lives like the flowers adorn the grassy fields and we can avoid the crippling effects of worry when we get frustrated with the time that it takes for this to work out. If we quit our struggling, we quit our laboring and spinning and simply trust in our Heavenly Father and His work, He'll do it and He'll grow us and He'll grow things around us and He will adorn us in His will. Worry isn't necessary. Last week, we looked at, at Jesus' challenge to follow him as our master, as our king. We ended our, our service with that. Well, when we worry, guess who's on the throne? I'm on the throne. When I worry, I'm on the throne. And here are the facts when that happens. If you're in charge of your life, you really should be worrying. If I'm in charge of my life, I am bound to worry. You know why? Because I don't have the qualifications to run my life well. I just don't. Even though I have a past and I lived it, I don't understand it. Maybe I only understand a little bit of it. And I certainly can't tell the future. So that's no If I'm running the show, no wonder I'm worried. I'm grossly underqualified to be the Lord of my own life. Therefore, Jesus said, don't worry. Go back to the master. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, Jesus is divinely qualified to be the Lord of your life. Unlike you, Jesus is divinely qualified to be your master, to be your king. And so here he shows us is the key to conquering worry. The key to conquering worry is make him your king. Not just once. Daily, make him your king. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And the things that you worry about, God will take care of them in his own time, in his own way. And he'll take care of you. Because seeking him removes you from the throne and puts Jesus back in charge. He becomes the leader. It de-emphasizes you when you seek his kingdom and it exalts him. And you start to see clearly that he does love you, that he does care for you, that he has incredible value placed on you. And then you can rest. You can rest in his quiet work as he grows things in you, and he grows things around you. When I stick to worry, when I stick to worrying, I'm focused on myself and on my inability. That's a crazy cycle, right? You've been in it. I, I was in it just the other day. When, I'm st when I stick to worry, I'm focusing on me and my inability, but when I'm seeking it, that, that shifts our focus to the king and his ability. Away from me, my inability, the king and his ability and his power. 
Worrying is being preoccupied with my kingdom and how to fix the things going wrong in my kingdom. Seeking is being occupied with his kingdom and his righteousness. The cure to worry is seeking, seeking the king. And a real good, a real good question to ask yourself when you find yourself bound up in worry is, is just ask the question, who's the king right now? Who's the king right now? When the Holy Spirit will say, well, it's not our Lord. It's you. And that's your starting point to shedding the worry that you struggle with. It says, seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. Now, I'm not sure if his righteousness is, is meaning his righteousness in us or his righteousness in the world. I'm not exactly sure which it is, you know, as we, as we live for justice and proclaim his righteousness in the world. I'm not sure if it's his righteousness in us or, or his righteousness in the world. But frankly, I think both are pretty good directions, don't you? Amen. Seek his righteousness to be made real in your life. Remember Matthew 5, 6. The Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Galatians 3 says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We have been adorned, we have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So how is his righteousness being manifested in your life. That's a great thing to seek. It's a great question to ask God. Um, how is your righteousness being manifested in my life today? How can your righteousness be manifested today in my life? God, I pray that you would do that and show me. That's seeking his righteousness. And we can seek his righteousness to be formed in the lives of those around us as well. That should infuse our prayers. If we're praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, aren't we really praying for his righteousness to rain down around us? A number of years ago, there was a song written from Isaiah 59 uh, that expresses this, this kind of prayer for the righteousness around us. It goes like this. No one can say your arm is too short to reach out and save this nation, O Lord. Your love is too great, your mercy too strong. But we need again to hear your salvation song. Some stumble on truth, ignoring the call, and some look for the light, but deep shadows fall. The streets testify that justice is gone. Oh, we need again to sing your salvation song. But then truth will appear and justice will fall like healing rain and shower us all. So set our hearts free and loosen our tongues, for we cannot wait to sing your salvation song. Oh, Jesus, come like a pent-up flood, driven along by the breath of God. Then from the west we will fear you, Lord, and we will revere you from the rising of the sun. From Isaiah 59. That's seeking the king and his kingdom and his righteousness in a prayer. So how does Jesus tell us to get way west of worry? How does he tell us to get way west of worry? Look at the birds, he says. Look at the flowers and look at your king. 
de-emphasize the value of what you put in and what you put on yourself. Life is bigger than, God is bigger than our worries, number one. And then just remember that value that he puts on you. Re-emphasize the value that God places on you. He hasn't cast you aside. You're too valuable. And he loves you. We need to confess as well that worrying really only affects me. And confess that to him. Let him wash you clean of that. Worrying cannot affect the outcomes that we want. Confess that to, to the Lord and and then just rest. When you do that, then you can rest. Once you confess, you can rest in God's quiet work of adorning your life, which you may not see right away, but God is working to adorn your life as he adorns the fields with flowers. Set aside your kingdom. Set aside the uh, steering wheel. Give it to the Lord. Stop trying to control the king, your kingdom. <clears throat> Make him your king. And be occupied with his kingdom. Be occupied with his righteousness. And you'll find yourself way west of worry. That <clears throat> is easy to say. Much more difficult to apply. But Jesus says it only takes a little bit of faith. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we come to you now and... and I'm thinking of the one worry that I laid in your lap <clears throat> that you're holding for me right now. And I encourage you, those who are praying with me together, to, to look at that worry or those worries. And Let's meet with Jesus over those things that we're worrying about. Would you take the time to just confess that, that maybe your worrying is... is, is uh, because you're trying to affect the outcome through your worrying and just confess that. Confess that worrying can't change, can't change that, that, uh, that situation, that person. And would you just acknowledge that God is watching over you as he watches over his whole creation. He watches over you personally. Thank him for placing so much value in you that he sent his son to die for you. And would you just allow him to shower you with love, shower you with value, no matter what the worries are, no matter what the, um, all the loose strings, no matter what is in the future, which we can't see, he values you and he will not cast you aside. Just thank him for that. And God, I do want to pray for the, the situations, be they people, events, um, <clears throat> finances, or things from the past, things in the future. Lord, I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters in all of these situations, Lord, that they would see uh, that they may, those things may be in front of them, or maybe they're behind them, but God, you are over them. You are above them. You are sovereign over our worries. Be our king over us so that we can rest in your quiet, sometimes invisible and mysterious work, but we can rest in you and watch you adorn our lives according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.